Welcome back to our study on the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be picking up in chapter 11, verse 15 through 19. And this is going to be a continuation of last week's uh, verse where we looked at chapter uh, 11, verse 1 through 14. And last week we talked about how difficult of a passage it was to interpret and to truly understand what John was trying to say. Uh, and so for as difficult as last week's was, this week is a little bit simpler to understand and try to, to comprehend the message that John is trying to convey to us. And actually today I might just accomplish the, the very thing that I've been trying to do from the very get-go, and that is not take us into 25, 35 minutes of Bible study today. So my hope is, is that this one will be just a touch shorter and that we'll be able to uh, get through it a little bit quicker uh, than normal. Now, that, that leads me to the reason why. Because uh, I was trying to fit it within a certain time frame, or I was trying to fit the study within a certain time frame, because I was doing that, it, there was always the pressure to kind of try to condense and con make everything as concise as possible. And so we looked at very large chunks of Scripture at a time through the beginning half of this study. Now that I have a little bit of freedom to kind of continue this on past where I thought I was going to have to be done with it, we're able to slow it down a little bit. So I'm hoping that these will be shorter, bite-sized pieces that we can take a little bit deeper look at each section. So that's kind of my goal and my hope. Today we're going to look at 15 through 19 of chapter 11, and so I want to get going with that, but I want to start off with prayer, and then uh, we'll start talking about today's Bible study. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, for what you do in our lives. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Help us to understand what John is saying. Help us to understand the truths that he's laying out, that, or that he laid out for his churches, and, and what you've laid out for the churches over the history of uh, of, of of Christendom. And, and Lord God, I'm praying and asking that, that you would just help us to understand what you want to speak to us today. God, let your spirit move and let your spirit lead and guide. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right. So picking up in chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Then the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. Singing, we give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, who are and who were, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath has come, and the time for judging the dead, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and all who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake and heavy hail. And so we get this picture of, of, a, of a heavenly message at this point. But before I get into kind of just talking through what this passage is kind of laying out for us, I want to talk about uh, kind of the, the structure that we're seeing played out in the book of Revelation. And I think it's important for us to understand because John continues to layer things on top of other things. And he has a structure for his book that is really quite unique. And, and so if we remember back, John is writing a letter to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And so he's he's writing to churches that he is 
trying to send a message to, he's trying to influence, and he's trying to encourage them to stay faithful. That's the overarching kind of structure of this book, is that the entire thing is a letter to seven churches. Within this letter, we see at one point that in the, in the vision that John has of the throne room of heaven, that, that there is this scroll, and no one is no one is worthy to open the scroll except for the Lamb. And so when the Lamb opens the scroll, he opens it up to these seven different seals. And these seven seals, we said, were a sermon. So the, the Lamb was going to be speaking out these seven different things. And so as the seven uh, seals unfold and as uh, different things would happen, and when we got to the seventh, seventh seal, we noticed that something else started that there were seven trumpets, or when the seventh seal opens, it opens to, to the seven trumpets, which is what we've been talking about here lately. And that starts in chapter 8, verse 1. Then the angels start blowing these seven trumpets, and with them, these, seven, these different things keep happening, these different judgments keep taking place. And, and when we get to the seventh trumpet, which is what we're going to get to today, and what we're going to be looking at in the future here, is that it opens up to a new scene. So when the seventh trumpet is blown, it is going to open up to a brand new scene and a brand new story, not necessarily storyline, but a brand new set of circumstances. And, and what we'll see is seven bowls of plagues or seven more judgments unfold out of the seventh trumpet. And so what we get is this picture where John continues to um, uh, envelop these different, uh, these different messages and these different plagues and these different uh, ideas in, in a, in a kind of compounding and building way. Here's an illustration that I put together that I thought really kind of illustrated what John was doing with, with his uh, book and with his, his letter to the seven churches. So like I said, Revelation as a whole is, these, is this letter to these seven churches. Within it contains a sermon of seven seals. Within the seventh seal is seven trumpets. Within the seventh trumpet will be seven bowls uh, of, of, of what's, what John will refer to as plagues. And so just another set of, of judgments and of, of, of these events taking place. Each one kind of carries the same motif and the same themes. As each one opens up, it opens to the brokenness and humani brokenness of humanity and the evil in, huma in humanity's hearts, the evil in uh, the political systems. And for John, that was the political system of, of the empire of Rome and emperor worship and imperial, uh, imperial worship and how that pulled away and was idol worship and pulled away from uh, uh, dedication to, to God. And so we see this evil taking place and being put on display and being revealed. And then we see God coming to judge it. That, that there would be, at this point in time, a, a kind of a retribution and a justice taking place that God would come and, and begin to judge these people and these systems of, of, of empire and these systems of broken um, ways of living life and, and the, those judgments being poured out onto the earth for those that stand in opposition to God, the systems, the structures, and the people that stand in opposition to God. And then with each one of these things, what we see happening is we see the portions being closed with God's victory. The, 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 remember, uh, the reminder that though 
evil is the place that we find ourselves now, that evil is a, a reality of life, and that judgment will be uh, a consequence of that reality. In the end, God is victorious. In the end, God will bring justice. In the end, God will bring retribution for those that were persecuted, for those that were tormented because of their trust in God and their faith in God. And so this is the theme that, that continues to play out in each one of these sections of, of seven. So when we had the seven trumpets, it was the same, or the seven seals, same kind of theme. Seven trumpets, same kind of theme. When we get to the seven bowls, it'll be same kind of theme. And, and so we, we get pictures of evil and judgment and then God's victory. And as we're looking at the seventh trumpet being blown today, what we are celebrating is God's victory and the reality that God will be victorious despite evil, despite the broken systems, despite the broken um, ideologies, God will reign and God will rule. And this is the hope and the joy and the, and, and the, the, the very thing that the people of God look forward to. And so uh, this is what heaven declares. If we remember, heaven is the symbolic realm of God. It's where in scripture we see Jesus comes from heaven whenever, um, whenever he is returning. The, the, what's the, the, the Greek word for that is the parousia uh, or parousia. I always kind of fumble that, but it, it's Jesus' return back in, in, because the angel said that he would come back the same way that he went. And so it's this idea that he was enveloped in clouds and, and went away that way, but then he's coming back. Um, in a similar manner in that that, that, that he went to, to God's realm in heaven. It's also this idea that um, it, it's, it's the place from which God is going to return and bring about his kingdom and his reign. And so we see heaven, the voices in heaven declaring that the kingdom of God is now, uh, the, the kingdom of earth or the kingdom of the world is now under God's reign and rule. I want to jump back here real quick because I want to read it exactly as it says it. John says that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So what we see here is this idea that God is sovereign, that he's ruling, that he's reigning, and that, um, and that now he is victorious. So again, the hope of John the reason that he was calling the church to remain faithful witnesses is because he wanted his churches to realize and to remember that God was ultimately victorious and that his kingdom would come and rule and reign. This is what Jesus prayed for in the Lord's Prayer, that God's kingdom would come on earth as it was in heaven. And it's just this idea where God's ways and God's uh, joy and his blessing and his and, and all the good things that you can possibly think about that come from being in a relationship with God, that all of those things are a reality on this earth as they are where God reigns and rules right now. And then the next thing we see is that worship ensues. And so the response to God's ruling and reigning now on earth as it is in heaven is worship. And so this psalm that we see laid out, that, or this, this hymn that we see laid out, yeah, towards the through through this back half of these verses is honestly very similar to other hymns that we've seen throughout it. But the main thrust is this: is that God is the one who reigns and rules over the whole of creation. 
that though evil had had its go for a time, though the, the nations may have done what they thought was best, though the nations may have thought that they had power and, and, and um, might and, and the ability to, to rule and reign however they wanted, the reality is, is that God is sovereign and that God is in control and that there are consequences for not ruling and reigning the way that God had called them to. And so, and, and so God is bringing to bear and bringing to light that God is in control of the earth, that God is sovereign over creation, and that God is the one who will bring life and peace and justice uh, to his people, uh, the people that look to him. And so this verse, these verses close out with this idea that the heaven, the heavenly holy of holies is now open and that, that God is near. At the end of each of these, as these trumpets all um, as the, excuse me, as the, the seven seals, the, as the seventh seal is open, you get this very similar image where there's this thunder and uh, lightning and all of these, this, these earthquakes. As that seventh seal was broken, you get that same language. And then when the seventh trumpet is blown, you get the language of, of the peals of thunder and of the lightning and of the earthquake. And, and again, if you remember back to what we talked about last week, this is all imagery of God drawing near. And so for John, the time, the time of God drawing near is close. Jesus, the Messiah, opened up the earthly holy of holies, and, and, and all the things that would have separated man from God were removed. And here in this picture, we see this idea that in the, the heavenly realm, where there's a picture or where, where there's this, this temple and the Ark of the Covenant is there. That, that, that was something that sat in the Holy of Holies within the temple on earth. And so now this is wide open. And what we see is God coming near and God drawing near. And so John wants them to, to kind of keep in their mind the, the imminence of God's uh, drawing close to them, of God's rule and reign. And so he's calling them through this moment to, to stay focused, to stay uh, attentive that even though evil may look like it's winning the day, in the end, God is sovereign, God rules, God reigns, and they can live their lives as faithful witnesses no matter what they experience. Because in the end, God is drawing near and God will win the victory and God will bring justice and righteousness and goodness and wholeness to his people's lives. And so that's kind of the takeaway that I want to leave with today. It's this. In what ways can we live out of the reality that God reigns in our lives now? And, and, and it may be kind of strange to hear me say that because maybe God will, will tarry, and that's, a, that's an old, old church word for meaning maybe he'll wait for a for thousand more years. We don't know. Uh, it could be tomorrow. We don't know. And that's the whole point of, that Jesus says is we never know when this culmination actually is going to take place. But what Jesus calls us to is to live out of the reality that God's kingdom in heaven can also be in our lives, God's kingdom on earth. And, and it's not that we will be without trial. It's not that we'll be without struggle. But it's that we can live in such a way that it represents God's reign and rule in our lives. This is the whole purpose of the book of Romans. Or I shouldn't say the whole purpose of the book of Romans, but one of the main thrusts of the book of Romans is that Paul is going to say that because God has drawn near through the, the Holy Spirit, we are now set free from sin. 
And we are able to walk by the Spirit, not by our brokenness, not by our flesh. And it's not that those things aren't present any longer. It's the reality that we have been set free from them. They no longer have dominion over us and that we can now walk out in faith and in trust and in, in, step, in step and stride with the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like in our lives? How does that change our attitudes and our speech and our behaviors? How does it change the way we approach our relationships? How does it change the way we approach our marriages, the way we approach and the way we approach our uh, being parents? How does it change the work that we do? How does it change the way that we steward our resources and we steward the creation? And this is the, the nature of, of what it means to truly be a faithful witness to God, is that we allow the reality of His reign and rule to take place in our lives right now. And then through us, as we embody and as we model and as we live, and we rely on God and depend on God in, the, in those moments, that it would pour out to the world around us. And so how will this change in your life? How will that reality be lived out for you? And that's what I want you to wrestle with as I close out today's passage. What needs to change in my life so that the reality that God is sovereign and that he is king is evidenced in my life right now and that I can live as a faithful witness to the goodness and glory of God and of his Messiah Jesus. Guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I pray that you have a great week and join us back next week as we are going to be getting into some very interesting passages in Revelation. All right, guys, have a great week.